You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. A very good morning and welcome to the business of money and hot stocks here on the Nielsen Network. I'm joined by Lindsay Williams, strictlybusinesspodcast.com, Joanne Benham from Sterling Wealth, and we have Nick Kunzer from Sunland Private Wealth. Thanks very much for your time. Well, it has been quite a week. Can I start with the first round results? I know we've got a lot to to talk about. Um, and Nick uh, had a, the opportunity to chat to uh, both Alan Pullinger and Jacques Siliers yesterday on their results. And uh, it looks as though the bank is firing on all cylinders, specifically the F&B offering. And the interesting element with regards to the detail behind F&B is the increase in transaction um, uh, transactions across the board. So there, there's momentum in the client profile, which hopefully means that we're seeing a recovery in the broader client base. Are better times coming? Yeah, it, it was. I mean, of, of all the sort of bad news we've seen this week, Bronwyn, it was actually quite nice to see a, a really solid set of numbers from, uh, from SA's biggest bank. Um, and and all, as you said, all the, all the numbers, all the line items were excellent. I mean, I always like looking at things like RAE, the return on equity. We were looking for like 16 and a bit percent, came in at 18. So well ahead of our expectations. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, we've, I've heard it being bounced around. Everyone's sort of making excuses and saying that uh, these companies are coming off very low bases because of COVID. But even notwithstanding the low base, I thought it was a really solid set of numbers. And if we can just get... I think I saw a note from Fitch or someone yesterday talking about um, GDP growth in South Africa bouncing back to to north of uh, 5%. If we can just get that 5 or 6% growth uh, in our area eventually in the years to come, then I think the likes of our, of our banks and First Gen are positioned really nicely. So, yeah, positive, uh, positive finish to what's been a bit of a tough week, actually. Yeah, Joe, and on that note about uh, the GDP going north of 5%, which is, uh, it, it, history tells us, recent history anyway, tells us that's quite fanciful. But on the other hand, as I said to Michael Jordan yesterday, obviously has a bit of a history with, with first round, notably FMB. I said, what happens if we get 5% plus uh, for a number of years? What if the unemployment rate comes down even 5 to 10% over the five, uh, over the next 5 to 10 years? Then the banks, because they're so well run and so well capitalized, then it's going to be a bonanza for them, Joe. Totally, if we get 5% growth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the big if here. So, yeah, you can talk about base effects, and admittedly, South Africa will have good numbers this year. But there was a Bloomberg survey this week, I think, in the whole world, or sorry, in the G20. South Africa is the only country that won't get back to 2019 numbers on its GDP by 2022. So, yes, we are. There is definitely a base effect coming through. And, you know, ROEs of 18 percent are phenomenal. So I agree with Nick. Fantastic number coming out. But how sustainable are these earnings? So back to your point, Lindsay, 5 percent is nirvana. We'd all absolutely love it. We get 5 percent a year for the next two or three years in this country. Hallelujah. I mean, then we need 6 percent just to solve our unemployment problem. But but how is it going to happen? How? (laughs) The how. We have to answer the how. And. Yeah, of course, it would be fantastic news. And everyone would get very bullish about local stocks. But how? Hmm. Hmm. Well, let's talk now about the the depressing news flow that you referred to, Nick. And as you said, it's been a tough week. What has been the the biggest pain point for you? Uh, Commodity prices. I mean, look no further. I mean, we are are intrinsically linked in South Africa to the price of commodities. 
uh, and the price of commodities and our, and our diversified miners writing the check for the looting uh, in July with their tax revenues they paid. And I think that's the last time they're going to write a, a check of that size, given what we've seen in the last month or two. Uh, I mean, I commented this morning on a note to clients. I mean, iron all this morning, under $100 in China on the Dallin Exchange, $99.78. That was $210 a few months ago. Um, other stuff we don't typically talk about too much, rhodium. Rhodium was was $30,000 per, per ounce. It's now sitting under 10. Uh, I can go on. Um, these, these, these miners and the prices of commodities for me, uh, it's almost been almost like stealth. It's been like no one's really mentioned it, but a significant pullback. And if you look at some of our miners that produce a lot of their income from, from the likes of, of rhodium, I mean, Palo Platinum and Northern Platinum, those share prices, I mean, Northern Platinum's halved in the space of a month or two. So, yeah, for me, I think uh, we, we had a really good benefit and we've reaped the, the benefits of this uh, mining boom in the last uh, couple of months. But, uh, I mean, let's take stock today where they are. It's, they, they're not going to come up with those earnings in the next quarter. Joanne, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think the three biggest exports, commodity exports from the Republic of South Africa, uh, I don't know which order they're in, but it's platinum group metals, uh, whether it be palladium, platinum, uh, rhodium, whatever. It's been a bonanza for us. It's the second time I've used that word, bonanza. Uh, there's also coal, a bulk commodity, and also iron ore. As Nick said, iron ore has more than halved since its peak earlier this year, and it wasn't that long ago. Uh, so, and, and at the same time, we've got the perfect storm because energy prices are soaring, and we import most of our energy. So the RAND and the economy will come under pressure. We're not seeing it yet, but we'll see it in future numbers. And the South African Reserve Bank must be looking at that because they are forward thinking and a pillar of stability in South Africa, one of the few pillars of stability. So I think there's a little bit to worry about. Let's not get carried away, but it is slightly worrying. Well, I think just go back to your point about the RAND, Lindsay. You know, we've had phenomenal trade surplus numbers, thanks to previously commodities having been very strong. And I think Nick's 100% of the money when he says it's been moving by stealth. People aren't talking about it, but these commodities have come off a lot. And yet the RAND has hardly moved. If you think about going forward and pricing in new action. The other thing that I don't understand in markets, and maybe Nick can comment, is platinum, palladium, rhodium have all been very weak because the car market, semiconductors aren't doing very well. And yet aluminium's flying because they say, well, the car market will recover. So buy aluminium because the car market's going to recover, but don't buy platinum because the car market won't recover. I mean, something doesn't really add up there. But I think the biggest story right now, which I'm amazed no one's talking about, is Evergrande. Evergrande is probably one of the largest uh, property developers in China. It came out yesterday or the day before saying it can no longer pay its interest payments. And eerily, yesterday was the anniversary of Lehman's. So we know what happened in 08 of Lehman's, and I'm not saying it's going to happen this time round. But there is a second order effect in markets. If the largest property developer in China is going to struggle to raise money going forward, and a lot of property developers will have the same problem, what does that mean for economic growth in China when a lot of it's come through the property market? And what does that mean for commodities? So right now, I think platinum, platinum palladium are falling because of the car story. What about when they start talking about all these houses they might not be building at quite the same rate they used to? Uh, and that's another thing that is worrying me about, about particularly the RAND. But we've had that view for a while and we've been wrong, to be fair. Nick, that, uh, I mean, in terms of the, the concern that Joanne mm. is bringing to bear there that we could see 
something tantamount to a crisis unfolding down the line. Are you in that camp? Yeah, I am. I am. I've got to be a little bit. Uh, it's tough to be uh, to be too bearish and when you're sort of a stockbroker, but you do have to be cognizant of the risks. And uh, uh, Evergrande is, is is a case in point. It's it's been to be fair, it's been on the, the sort of a on the front pages for a while, but I don't know if anyone's been giving it too much sort of attention, which I think it should be. Uh, Joanne said it's exactly right. I mean, th this is the largest property developer. They've got three hundred and five billion dollars of debt. I mean, that is more debt than some companies, uh, countries own. Three hundred five billion dollars of debt. Uh, and there's a there was a YouTube video doing the rounds this week where they actually can't afford literally to keep the lights on this property company. So they're just blowing up their, their sort of buildings and their skyscrapers uh, rather than actually put people in. I mean, that's staggering. Um, and of course, typically with what we see with most companies in China, well, the first thing they do after they get a bit of a name for themselves is, is roll out financial products. So uh, a lot of shadow banking and lending off the back of Evergrande to their clients. And, and then another note this morning, which I think we need to be cognizant of, is the fact that you know, the Chinese government don't really like dissent. Um, you know, they, they tend to, uh, you don't really want to go out into the street and start protesting in Beijing in a hurry. Uh, but that's what they're doing. They are, they are basically three days in a row, the, the customers of Evergrande have been uh, queuing outside their headquarters, which is in Shenzhen. And uh, the Chinese government don't really like that. So I'm not sure how this ends. I don't think it's going to end very well. And I do think uh, we should be paying more attention to it because uh, if China does let this fold, and as Joanne rightly said, property is, is a bit like South Africans with property. It's a dinner, com a dinner party conversation. A lot of Chinese people own one or two or even three properties as investments. Um, this is a big problem, uh, and I think we need to highlight it. The last time we saw a really big problem was 2005, 2006 in the United States of America, and we know what happened after that. It, uh, it took a while, it took a couple of years, but then we had the 2008 global financial crisis. It was the subprime uh, situation in America, and China's got its own subprime problem now, in my opinion. That company that you've been referring to builds, has up until now built 600,000 new homes uh, per year, and all the associated industries. So if it if it goes down, and if Beijing doesn't bail it out, anyway, let's not talk about that. Let's get stock specific now. Very depressing. It's me. I, I I really am now really disconcerted as we go into this weekend. But anyway, yes, Lindsay, take okay, it somewhere yeah. else. Let's get stock specific now in South Africa because, I mean, I know Mia Kruger's not here, and she's I think she's Sabania's greatest groupie, uh, but um, and and rightly so. But they've done another deal. 490 million US dollar deal with a 50% stake in a lithium uh, organization. Now, I don't know whether Nick or uh, Joanne wants to take this one, but it's it's another example of the forward thinking of Neil Froneman and, and, and his team. It might go wrong, you never know. But on the other hand, uh, history dictates that it won't go wrong. Maybe maybe Nick I'll back to you. Yeah, I'll give this to you. Joanne, sorry, there we go. And then Nick, go for it. Uh, yeah, so, so I mean, Mr. Froneman has been reinventing this company. I mean, obviously, the probably the deal of a decade, which we'll be studying at business school, was the the Stillwater deal at the bottom of the the price of palladium. Um, and now, uh, in February this year, uh, Stillwater, uh, Savania buying um, that Finnish lithium producer. Uh, the name eludes me, but going into into uh, the first foray into into lithium. And then now uh, announcement this week, they're going into a bigger one. It's actually based about, the company's based a couple of sort of 100 miles outside of Vegas in Nevada. 
um, and it's going to be on stream, I think, if memory serves me correctly, 2024. Um, but yeah, very, very interesting um, what they are doing with the, I guess, their portfolio of, of, of assets, uh, stepping, leaning more and more towards electric vehicles. So yeah, watch this space and notice yesterday as well. I mean, the stock knocked down as much as the other PGMs yesterday too. So I think it's really starting to put together a really, really interesting company and how he's directing things. And yeah, you got to be a, I'm not a groupie, but uh, you got to be mad to bet against Mr. Froneman, what he does right. Sure. What would you put in the fray from a hot stock perspective, Nick, right now? Say that again, Bronwyn, what would I? What would you advocate is a hot stock at the moment in your book, given the current landscape? Sure. Well, given the current landscape, I mean, I tend to, we're heading into US earnings season. Uh, tech shares tend to do well going into October, believe it or not. Um, but if I had to choose one particular share, like on the JSC, for example, I'd have to lean to the one I just mentioned, Sabanya. I think they're doing really interesting things. And uh, 49 Rand a share, it was close on uh, well north of 60 at one point, um, come back quite nicely. So, yeah, that, that's on my radar at the moment. Okay, we'll okay, take well, it. And, and Joanne, I know, Joanne, you're not a stock picker. You're more of a, a big picture person. But is, it, is there anything that you obviously follow markets um, in, in all of their aspects? There must be something that you like. Give us a give us like nugget. I like going and people are scared to go to. So I think sort of Asian tech is where I've been talking about for a while. And, and maybe not so much what has done well, but I think with the Chinese government are going too. So if you look at they're talking about artificial intelligence, electric vehicles. Froneman's clearly playing that game as well. I, I think, you know, clean energy, because I think ESG is going to be one of the most powerful things to hit the world in the next couple of years, and to, particularly from an investment perspective. I think the Chinese are very aware of, of that. This is why we're seeing a lot of the commodity prices coming off at the moment, because they're terrified about their air quality. It, it's partly the issue behind an ESG issue. So I think if you're looking for opportunities, Asia, but not in gaming anymore, maybe not in the kind of what's done well, but look to new areas. So clean energy is something I think I'm very excited about. And carbon credits. So carbon credits is something else that's doing very well if you look at the carbon credit market. So we, the world has to change, and ESG is very powerful. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm, I'm just going to No, Lindsay, I know you're going to give a stock, but I have to say, you know, having spoken to Neil Froneman, um, post their results, um, their, their recent results, that's exactly, as we've all said repeatedly around Sibania Stillwater, it is about the clean energy space. And they've been on the money. This has been a strategy in play for since 2019, in fact. Um, and Nick references the, the Finland um, operation. They're basically ensuring that their operations are as close to Europe as possible so that they can service the, the battery, the clean battery energy market in Europe. So, again, uh, Sibania Stillwater on trend. And at 49 Rand, I think I'm, I'm echoing Nick's view here. Your thoughts? My thoughts, um, Bronwyn, are that we should ban uh, any mention of Sibania Stillwater for the next two, um, two weeks of broadcasting. <laughs> It's not as if there's only one stock on the JSE. Although to that point, we're ta I'm talking now about the uh, the slow denudation of the amount of companies listed on the JSE Securities Exchange. And today there's a vote, I think, from Imperial Logistics uh, shareholders, one of whom I spoke to earlier this week. Um, they own seven and a half percent of the company. They don't. Um, they don't really think that the 12.7, 12.8 billion is enough that's being offered by DP World in, in Dubai. But that brings me to logistics, because logistics, Nick, 
Logistics is, is the business of moving stuff from one place to the other. And I tried to get some stuff from Cape Town to the Netherlands yesterday. And I, I spoke to a family member of a very well-known South African shipping company. And he said, Lindsay, you're doing exactly the wrong time. He said, because first of all, you can't find any space on any ships. And secondly, if you do find any space on any ships, it's horrifically expensive. So you look at DP World coming in for Imperial Logistics and you say to yourself, maybe there's something in this. Nick, do you have any clever ideas about how to leverage yourself in the logistics business? Uh, no, quite frankly, and, and unless you're, unless you're uh, involved in the business, you know how much it's gone up. So we, we work quite closely with, with, with uh, Grinrod Shipping, actually, um, and they're based out of Singapore, but they're listed on the NASDAQ and South African or JSC. Um, and chatting to one of their directors recently, they were talking about how a cost of moving, uh, they, they do what they call cave size, which is not your 40-foot containers, it's just sort of one notch under. So the cost of moving, sort of getting your, I don't know, your, your sneakers to, to South Africa from Beijing used to be about $2,500 pre-pandemic. That cost now is $12,000. So I don't know if everyone's talking about transitory inflation or whatever it's going to be, because as far as my understanding, that has to be passed on to the consumer at some point. It's up sort of fourfold. And then also to add to the fact we've had such an unusual year with, um, with as you rightly said, with logistics, you know, with the... Uh, you know, this upside down, we've got to, half the pallets apparently are sitting in, in the other side of the world and they should be on the other way. Uh, and you can't actually move those pallets or containers um, on an empty ship. Uh, apparently, the captains won't take it because the ship is unsteady. So you have to fill those up, those goods up before you move them. So, yeah, you're right. Logistics has been uh, has been on absolute charge, as I said, up fourfold. And look at the Baltic Dry Index. Look at some of these under indicators. All sitting at multi-decade highs. You know, so I'm I'm another one in that in the inflation camp. I think that's going to be coming through at some point. Sorry, long uh, long answer to your question, Lindsay. So Lindsay, I always open. You are going to do the honors on closing. Okay, thank you very much, uh, Bronwyn. As always, Bronwyn, how now do you last? Uh, Joanne Bainham is from Sterling Private Wealth in Cape Town. Nick, forty foot container Kunza is from Sunland Private Wealth in Johannesburg. And of course, uh, Bronwyn Nielsen. I'm not going to say our gracious hostess because uh, I've done that so many times before. But Bronwyn, thank you very much for providing this platform. And the business of money will be back same time next week. And also, don't forget, at one o'clock next Thursday, it's a Twitter Spaces special on uh, business of money as well. So we'll see and you And Michael Jordan is joining us on that Twitter Spaces platform. So, uh, Joanne, Nick, I'm extending invites to you as well. And uh, as we really uh, learn about that new technology, Twitter Spaces is great fun, isn't it, Lindsay? Yes, especially when it's when it mutes you. So, <laughs> I, I take over. I take over the whole show. I can't it's fantastic. I love you. Not it, it happened, Nick. You weren't privy to the conversation earlier, but it actually happened. I hosted a show where I was muted, and Lindsay thought it was the best thing ever because his co-host. He's been trying to do that forever. Anyway. Thank you very much for joining us, everybody. Have a good day further. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position 
or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer, or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision, and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.